Welcome to Pushing Through. I am Tate Frazier, and as always, I am joined by the kid, BJ Armstrong. And BJ, we got some crazy stuff to talk about from the NBA last night. The Denver Nuggets. What a moment for basketball. First and foremost, how are you today? Before that play or after that play? I would say after that play, BJ. I I know you were doing probably pretty swell before. Well, I'm not doing well, Tate, (laughs) after that. I'm not doing well after that play last night with the Denver Nuggets and the Washington Wizards. I'm Mm -hmm. not doing well, Tate. You know, I'm very careful not to be the old guy. You know, the old guy on the lawn that's sitting out there. And I don't want to be that guy. Yep. And yelling, I'm determined, at, yelling at the clouds, all that sort of stuff. Yep. I'm determined not to be that guy. I'm determined to rise above it. Rise above it, evolve with the game, change, see the game differently, and keep it moving. Keep it pushing. Literally, let's keep it pushing. Tate, I saw something last night I've never seen before. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know how to describe it. I'm watching the game. I'm at home. It's nice, relaxed. <laughs> and all of a sudden, I saw a four-on-one fast break. Yep. And I saw four guys run to the three-point line in a critical moment of the game where they had to score to force overtime. 112-110, two-point game. Got a layup there to go to overtime, as you said. But four guys all run to the three-point line to go for the win. In some sense, you know, that's probably the most positive spin that you can have okay, in the situation. Okay, go for the win. Okay. This whole three-point shooting thing now... The Steph, his, the Steph Curry effect, yes. No, this isn't a... This, is, <laughs> this isn't... No, Steph Curry is an anomaly. Yeah, he yeah. can shoot at a... That, that the rest of us can't. That's the issue. People, everyone's trying to mimic something that's an anomaly. That's the problem. But it's the fact that they did it didn't bother me. It was they did it with no hesitation. It wasn't like, you know, it was like I'm running on a fast break. And how did we get to a point where your natural reaction was to run to the three point line? That yeah, that that was the disconcerting part, right? Your instinct on the court was to court, run to the three point line. line. Not not think, oh, I should go for a layup. That's a layup. natural instinct, but now I've made a decision to take a three. Tate. Tate. The natural that is instinct. True. That is was, true. How could your natural instinct be I'm trying to win the game? hmm Tate, your natural instinct, well, at least it used to be was I'm going to do what I have to do to try to win the game. You have four guys with one guy as the defensive position. And they all ran to the three-point line in a two-point game at a very critical juncture, critical moment during that game. I've never seen anything like it. I never they and they all did it without hesitation. They Mm -hmm. all did it. You had a guy who was 6'10", whatever. You could have just lobbed it over the top. The other guy could have kept the ball. I think it was Jamal Murray who had the ball. Could have laid it in. Get to overtime. Uh, Hey, BJ, you know what? You could get an and one. Unbelievable. Um, So after that, 
I became very concerned about the state of the game and what we're doing. I think now it's time for us, the basketball lifers in the community, in the basketball community, to say, okay, what are we doing? Where's this mm-hmm. going? Mm-hmm. What what are we doing? Because now stats and analytics have replaced winning. Stats, analytics have replaced winning plays, winning basketball, okay? So today, we're going to start our own movement. This is hoopology. Mm. We're going to break the game down. We're going to break the game down here. And we're going to break the game down because the fundamentals of the game have to remain in place. I don't care what era you play in. The fundamentals of the game. So today, instead of talking about this group or that group or the group before us, you know, I'm going to call it the whole group and give it a name, hoopology. Mm -hmm. Today is a new day. We can't allow the game to go wherever direction it's going. It's going a little south. Now we got to get this thing back on track Mm -hmm. because all of the wonderful players before me, the Oscar Robinsons, the Earl of Pearl Monroe's. Tiny Archibald. Tiny Archibald, Bob Cousy, all of those players. We have to take what they built and keep it pushing. We can't allow the game now to look like that and what we saw last night. It's not, that's not good for our game. And do I dare say what it really is? It's not good for our business. Mm. It's not good for our business. Now, we have to say something and, you know, as this generation, we have to keep it real now. We got to keep it real with these kids. Mm -hmm. We have to keep it real. That last night, that's not NBA basketball. That's not basketball. I don't know what that was. But today, here I'm pushing through, it's, it's, it's one thing to talk about something and hear. Now I'm going to give it, I'm going to give it a, I'm going to give it a name. Swoopology. Mm-hmm. We're going to talk about the game here and we're going to hold ourselves accountable. <laughs> we're going to hold the people who play the game accountable. And we're going to hold the game to the level of standards which made the game great in the first place. Okay, the fundamentals of the game never change. Okay, so all of those people who are listening with Hoopology now, we're going to give them a name. If you are a lifer in this sport, I don't care if you college, high school, pro, YMCA, church league, it doesn't matter. You are an official, you are an official Hoopologist. Because you respect the game. Mm-hmm. That last night wasn't respecting the game. And we have to make sure that we constantly respect the game. So that was very disapp- that was very disappointing to watch, very disappointing to see. You know, I didn't know what this, I didn't know what to think of it. But you know, it was just, it was just a disappointing moment in the game, in the sport, especially. Denver, who is a really good team. I mean, there are some of us at the beginning of the season picked them potentially to get to the Western Conference Finals, maybe even come out of the West. They have a 
guy who's playing now at the MVP level. They have a guy last year. Well, last year, it seems like five years ago, but last year in, in the bubble, Jamal Murray was playing. I mean, he Putting was up 50 point games. Yeah. He was, he was incredible. To see that last night was like, where, where are we going with this? What's mm-hmm. next? Mm-hmm. What's next now? Mm-hmm. What, we just stop at the half court and just shoot, launch it? Like, I don't know, but it was very disappointing to see. I will say this, BJ. I, I love the idea of hoopology. I love the idea of having hoopologists. And uh, you said it best on our last episode. You said it's not the old school. It's not the new school. It's the true school. And that's it's what it is. It, 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 let's just be honest about it. Let's talk about yeah, it. Yeah, you know, and, and, and listen, I'm not, I, I don't, I, I'm not threatened or have a problem with analytics, okay? We, we all understand the numbers of the game. The numbers of the game have, has always been there. Dean, always Smith, been there. Dean Smith had analytics, you know what I mean? Like Everybody we all, does yes, who plays yes. the game, okay? But now we must replace the analytics with the mathematics. The mathematics of the game. Okay, the mathematics, because when you understand the following for everyone that's listening, the analytics will tell you one plus one equals two. The mathematics will tell you one plus one equals three. Because here, okay, we have to include the people. Because together, when you are playing a team sport, is the favorite place for the group to be. So we have to include the plus sign in this equation to include the people. And right now, we have to include the people because the young people who are playing the game, that wasn't the correct way to play the game last night. Mm -hmm. And, And that must fall on the responsibility of the people who are teaching the game, people like myself people who revere this game and hold this game to, you know, I, I love the game. I'm going to, I'm going to watch the game regardless. Mm-hmm. But last night was disrespectful to the game. It was disrespectful to the game. And we have to hold the game in that sacred place because this game has been a phenomenal game since 1946. Mm-hmm. And be, even before that. Mm-hmm. So 1892. Yeah. So you know, right now we have to get to the mathematics of this game and we have to include the people and we have to take care of those people who love the game as much as the people who played the game before them mm-hmm. and the people who played the game before them. Because now we're talking about so much analytics, PER, true shooting percentage. I saw a stat. This guy had makes the most threes from the corner. This guy has the most pull-up threes going left. Those are just numbers. Now we have to include the people because Tate. When you include the people, when you include everyone that's involved, you understand that the human condition has to be included while you're building a team. Mm-hmm. And especially it's important when you're trying to build a championship caliber team. You can't just tell me the numbers without including Tate and his personality and what's going on in Tate's life. You can't not include that. 
We see that right now going on with the Boston Celtics. They have two guys who are all-stars on their team. But something is going on with that group. That's called the human condition tape. Mm. So if we're going to talk about the game and, and keep the game pure, now we got to get to the mathematics. One plus one has to equal three. A coach told me that a long, long time ago. I didn't understand it when he first told it to me, but last night I was reminded of that, which was told to me some 25 years ago. That that's the essence. You have to include the people who are playing, the people who are coaching, the people who are who 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 are the the the, the owners and executives in this league, the league itself. Everyone has to be included in here if this is going to work. And they have to be able to relate. And I think that's what you're really saying with this whole thing. With the, You have to include the people because the people have to know the, the kid at the YMCA playing with the other five-year-olds, he has to know at the bare minimum the right play, right? And that goes yeah. all the way up to the NBA. Well, so when you set the, when you when that message is mixed, right, in the game from top to bottom, that's when things get confused and that's when the game can yeah. get lost. And that is where, and that is why it's, it's something that is confounding, right? That is yeah, why yeah, it's yeah. an issue. When you, when you talk about the analytics, you're just, you're just talking about the numbers. This guy shot 72%. But when you talk about the mathematics, okay, when you talk about the mathematics, you're talking about the art and soul and heart of the game. Mm-hmm. Like what's going on in Tate's life today? Mm-hmm. <laughs> what's going on in his life Tate might have had something going on in his personal life that only the guys in that locker room know about Yep. the mathematics is going to include you mm-hmm. we cannot that's what I'm seeing now now you can't tell me a natural response on a 4-on-1 break is to run to the three point line that's not that's not a natural response. Dude. Not not from guys that have been playing basketball their whole life, too. You know what I mean? Tate, that's never been the know, natural response. Tate, and you are well aware that to score, you only need two points. Yeah. So right now, the mathematics, right, is the art of the game. I got to include you. I got to include your life. I got to include your feelings. I got to include your thoughts. The way you think about the game. I got to include the way the game was taught to you. I have to include your experiences. Okay, you're a second-year player. You're a third-year player. Okay, there's a reason that coaches love veteran players over young players because those guys have more experience if you're trying to win. Mm -hmm. Okay, if you're trying to win. All right, so right now, I'll tell you, we, we have to figure out how to really begin to really take care of this game right now, because that was very disturbing to me on a lot of different levels as we move forward. And, um, you know, I don't want to continue to keep harping on this, but it, it was right now, Tate, I just, I just feel that needs to be said. Mm-hmm. So hoopology is what we do here on pushing through. We're going to give it a name and we're going to keep this thing pushing because last night you can't have the game you know, 
when you look at some of these incredible players, the Oscar Robinsons and the Jerry West and the Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's Pete Maravich. Irvis and Pete Maravich, and the list just goes on and on. Wilt mm-hmm. Chamberlain, Bill Russell, Bob <laughs> Cousy. You can just go on and on. No, Tate, no, you can't. No, no. That last night, no. Okay, we, we, we got to say that. So let's keep it moving. Let's, let's keep going on. And let's talk I'm about sure. it. <laughs> well, let's and talk I'm about sure it. There'll be more. I'm sure there will be more examples for us to talk about in the future. Absolutely. And that's why we're hoopologists. And that's why class is in session, BJ. But I <laughs> want to flip it on the positive side of what you're talking about, the human condition. And that's the Brooklyn Nets. And they've won eight straight games. And you talk about team chemistry. This is a team of guys that have been much maligned in the media and by fans for, you know, not being able to put it together, for being hard to deal with, whatever you may say. But James Harden, Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant, Joe Harris, this core group, Jeff Green of Nets guys, and, you know, a few of the younger guys on the bench, they've been able to figure out some sort of core chemistry there. They're playing for one another, and it is a, a beautiful form of basketball. And the fact that Kyrie, sacrificed in a way, you know, and was mm. able to to pass, you know, the baton over to James Harden as a facilitator, even though he's getting more shots than ever. So who knows what, what I mean by sacrifice. But regardless, the Nets, I think, is a beautiful example of basketball chemistry, uh, at least what we've seen the last, you know, 10 or so games with them. You know, Tate, um, I'm not sure whether this ex- experiment that we're currently seeing in Brooklyn is going to work, right? Mm-hmm. And I've said this before. I'm not really sure, right? I've never seen a team win a championship without being able to defend and be very respectable on that end of the court. Offensively, they're they're fabulous. But as I watched that play last night, a lot of things just popped into my head. And one of the things that popped into my head was, man, I was so appreciative of the coaches that I had in my life. I don't know why that popped in my head. Okay. I don't know why that popped in my head, but I was appreciative of the Phil Jackson's, the Tex winners, the late Johnny Bach and all of those coaches and my college coaches, Tom Davis, George Rabbling, Mm. my high school coach, coach Nick Connie. And I started thinking like those people understood because I was fortunate to, to have won I didn't always win the championship, but I was always on good teams, right? I was always on a good team in high school. We were right there. I was always on a good team in college. And then I was always on good teams in the pros for the most part. And I was lucky enough to win in the pros. And and the reason that popped in my head was because I suddenly understood at that moment what I saw Denver last night that the management of a championship caliber team is a lesson that either you understand that or you don't. Mm -hmm. I had a, I've already had an appreciation for any coach like a Pat Riley, like a Chuck Daly, like a Phil Jackson. Mm -hmm. But I had an enormous amount of respect last night, even more so because I said, you know what? Because people would always say, oh, well, if you coach, you know, Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen and Shaquille O'Neal, late Kobe Bryant, oh, how hard could that be? You try coaching those guys. You try coaching Dennis Rodman. You try dealing what needs to be dealt with 
when you co- when you're coaching people because that's mm-hmm. what you're doing. Yeah. You're not coaching players. You're coaching people. And last night, I started to thinking. I was like, Steve Nash understands that. Mm-hmm. Steve Kerr understands that. Yep. Coaching and managing a championship level team is a totally different ball game than just putting numbers on there and saying, this is how we're going to play. This is how the three-point shot. And then I said, you know what? I don't know if it's going to work in Brooklyn. I'm not sold on it based on what I understand about the game. But Steve Nash, I said, you know what? Whatever he's doing, because it's been well documented. I, I, you know, you, you know, I like, I like Kyrie Irving. I mean, yeah, I, I like the dysfunction, right? I, I like, I like the challenging of the things that that, that people do because I, I, I like people. But I, I began to think last night. He, he has been in the NBA long enough to understand that. And then I was watching college. The game yesterday. I was watching Iowa versus University of Michigan. Mm-hmm. Juwan Howard. He understands. He understands. He understands his, the people. He respects his players, right? Like there, there is an uh, there's a foundation what? of respect no, across I the board. I don't even I don't call it players. He understands the people. Yeah, yeah. See, the player, you know, for me, the player was just the guy in the uniform. Mm-hmm. But do you see the guy in the uniform? Jawan Howard secretly. When I watched him last night in the games before, because I just watch it and I and I always laugh when I watch his team because he's playing the game with the respect of the game. Mm-hmm. Most teams are just shooting threes. His team shoots threes too. But every time down, they have to throw that ball inside to the post. Yep. To Hunter Dickinson. Yep. Tate. Listen to what I'm saying. Every time down. They throw that ball in there to their post. They work offense, yeah. And the big fella be working. The big fella be working in there. Now, the big fella be working. Now, once it touches the post, then it goes inside out Mm -hmm. because the post is a form of penetration. It's the same as a guy crossing you over. It's the same as a guy doing the things that they're doing, but they utilize the team. Mm Mm-hmm. And I and I was thinking to myself, Jawan Howard, God, I mean, he, that, that takes a lot of confidence because he's not playing the same way as everyone else. Everyone else is just playing four out or five out, four out one in or five out. And they just got five guys for going small. Everyone's shooting perimeter. No, Jawan Howard is getting that ball into that post. Mm-hmm. Jawan Howard is his teams are playing with a principled way to play. Okay, we get it in if they don't stop us. Big fella, do what you do. Mm-hmm. If they do stop us and you get double teamed, you have a responsibility to throw out to this guy. You have a responsibility to set a screen, drive to the basket. If someone cuts you off, direct line principle, you pass it. If not, you go all the way. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking to myself, like, I recognize what he's doing. Some of the times, most of the times I'm watching the game, I don't re- even recognize what's going on on the floor. So, and I just point out those two, not because they're former players, it's just because you can tell they see the people behind those uniforms. Mm-hmm. Because these kids, they need to know that. 
And Jawan coaches those guys hard. Yeah. Yep. He's he fired them up. hard. Yeah, yeah. He got he gets he, teed up in games. Like he he's fired he, up. And it, it's so great to see because you're saying he's holding them accountable. He's holding them accountable and he's coaching the fundamentals of the game. Yes, shoot the threes. I get it. Three is worth more than two. Yeah, I I get that. But but make it a good shot and run real offense. There you go, Tate. <laughs> that's there all it go. is. That's there all it go, is. Tate. That's that that's all that's all we're saying here. That's all we're saying here. Yeah. And Jawan Howard is a guy, when he took the job at Michigan, BJ, you remember, I mean, he broke down in tears because it meant so much to him. And he has taken that program. I mean, John Beeline had this program. They went to two Final Fours. You know, they were rolling. But Jawan Howard has three McDonald's All-Americans coming in next year. First time in 19 years they've had that many. I mean, they, they are rolling. And it's like you said, there are kids that watch him run this program. They recognize the basketball that's being played because it's familiar. It's relatable. They understand it. And they see that there's a respect there and they know that they're going to be able to get theirs if they go there. Because every game you watch Michigan, you don't know who's going to be the guy. It could be Hunter Dickinson. It could be Shondi Brown. It, right. it, it could be any of these guys. It could be Isaiah Livers. It's a fun he, team. It's, it's you know, and, and when I was watching, I was like, okay, he's he played in the NBA. But I, I recognized him because I was like, oh, wow. I, I remember playing against Pat Raleigh teams. Yep. Yeah. And I was like, Something's never change. It, it doesn't. The and, fundamentals never change. And, now, and guess what? It works, BJ. I mean, they're, they're 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 the best team in the country outside of Gonzaga, who's undefeated. When you play the game at a championship level, people, <laughs> that never changes. That never changes. And, and and I know they you know the game has changed. Okay, when the playoffs start, Tate. The game is going to go right back to where it was played, how it was played in 1970, which was played the same way before that, 1960, which was played before that, 1946. It's going to revert back to the essence of the game. It's great to see. It's great to see, you know, that now we are committing or you're seeing people committed to the people. Mm-hmm. Because it's it's needed right now. Because that what we saw last night, like Coach Malone. You know, I, I played against teams where his dad coached. I know his DNA. Yep, Brendan Malone, his dad. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Help nah, help draw up the Jordan rules, of course. Yeah, and, and I know Coach Malone. <laughs> <laughs> I know Coach Malone. No, that that's that, that. I've been to a lot of coaching seminars in my life. That's one I haven't seen yet. Mm-hmm. Four on one guys, let's run to the three point line. Haven't seen that one yet. All right, BJ. Uh, before we move on, let's take a quick break here to get a word from our sponsor, Locker Room. Uh, you and I, uh, if you haven't heard, uh, BJ, myself, we're going to be doing a session every Wednesday. That's the plan right now on the Locker Room app. It is an audio app, a live audio app experience. Uh, BJ and I, we get on there, we talk about any and everything about the basketball world. We did our first one this past Wednesday. BJ, what do you think about your first Locker Room experience? Really enjoyed it. Uh, Tate, it's really great. I felt there was a platform where 
you could really engage. You saw the people. You were excited. Yeah, you saw the, I saw the people. It was like real time. And I'm just so thankful for the people who, you know, took the time to come mm-hmm. in and, and, and interact with us. So um, I'm really looking forward to it because I want to, you know, talk in real time with the fans and hear their questions and, and be able to interact and uh, get into basketball strategy and get into things where, you know, there are a lot of great people and and you can learn. So I just saw it as a great opportunity and I'm really looking forward to it uh, next week when we're on. So, uh, you know, every Wednesday, well, please check us out. I, yeah. I think we're going to try to do it every Wednesday. And again, that's Locker Room. It's the app. You can go right now on your phone, download the Locker Room app. It is the best live audio experience around. And again, Wednesday nights, myself, BJ Armstrong, Mike Midas, Lindsey Fitzgerald, we'll all be there on the Locker Room app. Hoopology is the name of the show. Put a trademark on the end of it. You can be a hoopologist. Come join us on Wednesdays on the Locker Room app. Uh, BJ, I want to change pace a little bit. You brought him up. Kyrie Irving, uh, you love Kyrie. Kyrie... Loves the microphone. Uh, or, you know, we never know. Sometimes he does, sometimes he doesn't. But he uh, he came out and made an interesting point. He said that he thought that the NBA uh, should switch the logo to the late Kobe Bryant. Uh, that was the big news from Kyrie Irving. Switch from Jerry West to Kobe Bryant. I just wanted to, I mean, not even your thoughts, really, but th- this this topic of conversation, because there's a lot of people that are now coming out saying they should make, the, make this change. Jerry West himself, you know, we love Jerry West here on this program. One of the greats of the game. Uh, you know, an absolute legend. In fact, the original big three was Kareem, Elgin Baylor, and Jerry West, uh, mm. if, you re- if you really know. Uh, mm. But regardless, uh, what did you think about Kyrie saying that? He said Black Kings built the NBA. There is a lot of truth to that, for sure, when you take a, talk about the talent that has come mm. through this league. Um, but in general, yeah, your thoughts on, on Kyrie's comments, BJ? Well, I, I, I love it when the younger generation pays homage to the previous generation. Me too. I, I, I love that because one brick, you know, it builds on the top of the other. I, I love that. Okay. Mm-hmm. I love the fact that this generation, you know, Kobe to this generation, right? Is Michael. He is. Okay. And, and as he should be. Mm-hmm. Okay. I love that. However, I'm all about creativity. The logo is what it is. Mm -hmm. But when I think of Kobe Bryant, because I had an opportunity to know Kobe Bryant, and I remember meeting him when out of high school, I remember the very first call. This is a true story. A good friend of mine, Scott Perry, who's currently now the general manager of the New York Knicks, mm-hmm. we grew up together in Detroit. And as young kids, we used to always compare notes to who we saw. We're like, I didn't even know I loved the game that much. And I don't think we knew we loved the game. But every player we saw, we would share it when we saw it. And I remember... Early on, this is a true story. He said, hey, BJ, I just saw this player. I was like, what's his name? He was like, man, this dude is big, man. This guy's like seven feet. What's his name? 
because back then we didn't have internet and all the things. Yeah, he said his name is Patrick Ewing. I was like, Patrick Ewing, what kind of name is that? He was like, this guy was unbelievable. <laughs> Saw him at a camp. He said, this guy, Patrick Ewing. He was like, I never seen a guy like this. He could run, seven foot guy, he was athletic. Patrick Ewing. And that was our first sharing. You saw like, and clearly that guy went on to be Patrick Ewing. So whenever we would play the Knicks, I would always call Scott and say, hey, I saw this guy, Patrick Ewing, <laughs> who I got to play against. And as a player, when I first got to the Bulls, I called him. Actually, it was before I got to the Bulls. I went to I worked at a basketball camp in Chicago in college. And I said, Scott, I just saw perhaps the greatest player I've ever seen. This guy named Michael Jordan. Okay. Fast forward, I get drafted by the Bulls and I confirm what I thought I saw as like a sophomore. I'd never seen a guy with that much drive, energy, and we were just playing pickup games at night. I saw him for a whole week and I was like, so this guy is like, his energy was a little different than everybody else's. And Sean Elliott and I were roommates and we were talking about it. It was like, who is this? Like, who's this dude? Like, where's this energy, you know? Fast forward, Scott calls me some years later, I'm in the NBA and he goes, I just saw perhaps the greatest player I've ever seen and I know he can compete against the guy you told me was the greatest. I was like, and, I, and I've only called him like a couple times, right? So he called me with Patrick Ewing. I called him about Michael Jordan. And he says, this young kid in Philadelphia by the name of Kobe Bryant. Mm. This, this, this is a true story. You can confirm it with him. I said, how good is he? He said, BJ, I've never seen a player this skilled. And I asked him, I said, does he have the hands? Because I was convinced that Michael's secret, his secret sauce was that what they are the hands. Yeah, the one the, palming the ball with one hand and being that's, able that's to the move. Secret sauce. Yeah. That's the secret sauce. That's the that's Pass the that's, fakes. That's, that's the secret sauce. We're oh. not gonna let anybody know. Ka uh, Kawhi, that's why Kawhi can do what he does. Yeah. We're not gonna let anybody else know. Love big hands. I said, Does he have the hands? He said, BJ, he don't have the hands, mm. but he got everything else. He said, and he's got it. Yeah. I said, come on, man. I said, come on. I said, are you sure? He said, I'm sure. He said, I am 1,000% sure. Okay. I see Kobe Bryant just out of pure luck, divinity, whatever you want to call it. We have the same agent. I get a chance to see him up close. And I confirm it. He was that, that guy. Fast forward some years later. We're both now we're both working in the NBA. We call each other. Hey man, I just saw this kid, ninth grader. You know who that kid was? LeBron James. We've made that call to each other four times. Four times we've made that. Made that call. Well, we've ex he said, I just saw this kid, LeBron James. I said, Yeah, that kid, that ninth grade kid. 
because back then you could scout the high school kids. Mm -hmm. And I remember mm -hmm. I saw LeBron James somewhere around here. One day I'm going to find it. I have my report that I turned in on LeBron James as a high school kid. And and down there in Akron, St. St. Vincent, I believe. I, yeah, St. Vincent, St. Mary's. Yep. I saw him play as a ninth grader. I I was at the game where Carmelo Anthony was at um, Oak Hill. Oak Hill Academy against LeBron James. I remember watching that game on TV. I was at that game. Mm. Okay. Now we always joke. We got one more. We got one more to find. And what is it going to look like? You know, when you see those great players, it don't, it's not hard to see. Mm -hmm. It's not hard to see. That's my favorite Larry Brown quote that he said. You know, he's like, a lot of it, people give me credit for scouting. He was it, like, it's not, it wasn't hard. It, it, <laughs> like, it, I saw Tim it, Duncan. There he is. <laughs> it's, not, it's not hard to see. But I remember making that call to him and him making those calls to me and being able to really have an opportunity to watch these players. And it's been interesting that with the exception of Patrick Ewing, that there's been three wing players mm. that we've all called each other about and, and discussed. But you know, the, the game is an interesting game now. And hopefully we'll get an opportunity to call each other again and share for one last time when we see that next great one. That's what I'm saying. You need your fifth starter. The, the B.J. Armstrong, Scott, Scott Perry All-Stars, right? We got yeah. Patrick Ewing. We got Michael <laughs> Jordan. We got Kobe Bryant. We got LeBron James. We're looking for that fifth starter right there. That, that The starting five. That's a... That's a tough group to beat, BJ. Man, that's a that's a tough that, that's a tough. I think Tibbs should coach that team, <laughs> or maybe you, BJ. Yeah, you know, we're gonna get into the coaching. You know, we're gonna get into the coaching at some point. You know, because I, I got some I got some real different ideas now. Not different, but today's youth, I find. You know, they have a different need than the previous generation. You know, our generation, you know, I had an opportunity once, one summer to, um, I think it was the 80, it was the 88 Olympics. And Bobby Knight, John Thompson was the coach on the 88 Olympic team. But I had an opportunity to spend some time with and play against some Bobby Knight teams and, and he was there conducting down in uh, we were in Colorado and it was all, all the players were there, right? I, you know, every, all the players who were on that team were there. It was like top, I don't know, 50 or so players in the country. And that was the last time that they played for the, uh, the amateur players before yeah, yeah. they went to the, before pros the pros in came in, yep. in 92. Yep. And, um, you know, and I think about it, Sean Elliott and I were the last two people cut. So I, I, I got this, I guess this, I got, I got this history with Sean Elliott, I guess. And, <laughs> um, and 
so I spent a lot of time and Bobby Knight was there. And I remember the incredible amount of discipline that Bobby Knight had that he demanded from his players. And I remember the, the discipline that the late John Thompson had. Mm-hmm. And that was that era. You know, that was that era. This era is a little different. I don't think you can, I mean, I don't think you can't coach these kids that way mm-hmm. because of, you know, the, the information, the way the game is played, so forth and so on. It just doesn't hit to say, it doesn't work it, the it, same way. Yeah. It doesn't work. But it's one thing I always remember great players and all the great players that I've played with or I've spoken with or had the opportunity to, you know, talk about, they've all said that they wanted to be coached. Mm-hmm. Think about that. Tate. every great player, every great player. And I, I don't want to name, you know, because those were like private conversations, but every great player. Cause I always ask, you know, like, you know, what, what's the one thing that, you know, that you needed to, to be who you were going to be. I wanted to be coached. Yeah. I mean, so yeah, Michael with Dean Smith, Michael with Bobby Knight, Michael with Phil Jackson. Yeah. Michael with Doug Collins. Yeah. All of these great players, they have this appetite to want to be coached. Mm -hmm. They have this appetite. So in the same breath that I'm saying, I don't know if that style works now. All the all the great players, they all said it. They want to be coached. So there's a there's a balance. And 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 Coach Tibbs, and when you said it, I was like, Coach Tibbs reminds me of that era. I mean, mm-hmm. he's but he's doing a, a a masterful job this year because with that team and the way that team was constructed, I mean, he's really got them in the playoff race. But I'm gonna I'm gonna reserve or hold who I'm gonna as the coach. Okay. I, I respect that. I respect as that. As the coach. Yeah, as yeah. As the coach. Yeah, yeah. I get that. I get that. You know that. what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I, I think that's fair. I think that's fair, BJ. Uh, one more thing before we get out of here. We got to give this for Midas because he was fired up last night. Uh, ben oh, Simmons. Uh, a lot a lot of Sixers fans are pushing for Ben Simmons defensive player of the year. That's, that's the big thing that's going on right now. And he's been great defensively, BJ. We will say that. But Midas was fired up because he shut down Luka last night. Did you watch this game? Yeah, I did watch this game. I, I got a nice text from from Midas during that game. He never texts me when Philly loses, but he texts me every time yes. they're winning. Yes, um, of I, course. I, I of course. He's, he's, a, he's, he's a little front runner. He's a front runner. <laughs> no, no. He, you know, he's a Philly guy through and through. I'll just give him a hard time. Well, I'm going to say this. A couple weeks ago, I was watching I was watching the Boston Celtics, and I said, I don't know what's going on in Boston, but something's going on. I'm going to say this again. I don't know what's going on in Dallas, but something is going on. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Something is going on there. Something is going on in Dallas. There was the the Porzingis rumors and then Cuban squash. Who cares I, yeah, about yeah. all that? But yeah, that, yeah, the, I don't the, know the, what's going on. Yeah, yeah. I, but I'm just looking at the. I'm just looking. I'm looking at body language. I'm looking how the how how teams are playing. Something is going on there. That's not right. Now, on the other side of the ball, Philadelphia. Philadelphia is playing terrific, terrific basketball. Okay. Doc Rivers is another one of those guys. 
okay, that can coach a championship mm -hmm. level team. Mm -hmm. For sure. Okay. Now, just think about all of the things that were said about them a year ago and prior. Can Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid coexist? Who's the man? Is Ben Simmons the man or Joel's the man? Whose team is it? <laughs> <laughs> Who should get the most touches? And all of the things. You haven't heard any of that this year. See, Doc Rivers understands people. This mm -hmm. is the one thing that the numbers can't measure. Doc Rivers understands people. And Doc Rivers can coach a championship and manage a championship roster. The Philadelphia 76ers right now understand the following. They understand that Joel Embiid needs to get his touches. They understand that they have a combination right now with Ben Simmons on the perimeter and the other kid, Joel Embiid, in the, in the interior. And now they have a nice balance to their team. Mm -hmm. They have a really nice balance. The one thing that I love more than anything, I had a coach tell me this early in my career. He said, BJ, you got a chance to be a really good player when you can get your body in the game. <laughs> he said bj you have a chance he ain't said i was he said you got a <laughs> chance when you can get your body in the game i came back a couple days what does that really mean he said when you physically when your body is strong enough to block somebody out that's a good play when your body is strong enough to come up and get that loose ball when your body is strong enough to fight over that screen, then you got a chance. And the reason I'm pointing it out with the Sixers is that Joel Embiid's body is not in the game. Mm -hmm. What's the one thing we kept saying about Joel Embiid? If he gets in shape. Yep. When he gets in shape. Yep. Joel Embiid's body now is in the game. He's in the game now. Yeah. Every loose ball, the Sixers, they in the game. Mm -hmm. We didn't put so much emphasis on all of the other things now. Shooting, spacing, pace. No, let's get your body in this game. Tate, can you set a screen and hold that screen? Mm -hmm. Tate, can you actually block that guy out so that he can't get the rebound, so I can get the rebound. That, that ain't a stat. Tate, there's a loose ball in the last two minutes. Are you strong enough to throw your body in there and go get that ball when need be? Now the Sixers, they're playing the game with a physicality. They're big. Say it again, Tate. They're big. You got Dwight, you got Embiid, you got Ben, no, no, no. you got Toby. You got big kids. You got big kids. Their body's in the game now. Yep. See, see, everybody wants to start telling me about shooting and all that. Okay, that's fine. That sounds good. They got that too. Danny Green, Seth Curry. Mm -hmm. 
But when you can put your body in the game, though, now you're talking about something entirely different. That's championship level basketball. And everybody who's won understands what that means. Doc Rivers right now is not worried about all that shooting and all those other things. Mm -hmm. Danny Green, when he was out here for the Lakers, he caught a lot of flack for not shooting wells, you know, and da, da, da. A little ridiculous, but yeah. But Danny Green throws his body around. Mm -hmm. Gets rebounds. His body body is in that game. Yep. And that is the difference with the Sixers this year. Joel Embiid right now is really an unstoppable force that we all saw for the last two or three years. And we all kept saying, could be, ought to be, should be, if he's going to do it. Now, he's done it. Mm -hmm. And the reason he's done it is because, you know, Glenn... My guy, Glenn yep. Rivers, Glenn, the Coach best. Rivers, now has demanded, he's always coached every team he's ever had, he's demanded. When, he, when you played against Doc Rivers as a player, and I had the fortune of playing against him, he was a very physical player. Doc would throw his body around. He's a bulldog, yeah. And he's done that in Orlando. He did that. In, in Boston, he did that with the Clippers, and he's doing it now. So in order to beat this team, you're going to have to bring a certain level of physicality to the game as well. Mm-hmm. You're going to need some bigs to beat the Sixers. The, the Doc Rivers, when you say a blue-collar guy, mm-hmm. Philly is going to love him. Oh, yeah, for sure. And he's already, because, ma- yeah, he's already made those adjustments already. Doc Rivers coaches the game like we grew up in Detroit. There's two games going on. There's the game, and then there's the fight. <laughs> <laughs> now, Doc That's, Rivers is going to win one of them games. Yeah, the <laughs> bad boy Sixers. There you go. Hey, hey, you know, and that's what we knew in them, them Pistons teams. I mean, those Bulls teams that played the Pistons. There was two games going on. There was mm-hmm. the game, and then there was the fight. You know, when I was a young kid, we that, that was kind of our rule. We're not going to lose both of these games. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We're going to pick one. We're going to pick one to focus on. Pick focus on, yeah. I used to play in this league. Lambeer was always playing the fight. Yeah, Lambeer was barely playing basketball. I used to play in this league called the Police Athletic League. I'll let you go. I don't know where these stories are coming from. I love it. And his name was Joe Tucker, Mr. Tucker, Coach Tucker. And he was a he was a policeman, a city policeman, and we played on the team. And he would always tell us before the game. He wouldn't say much, but he would say, "You can fight them, or you can fight me. Your choice." <laughs> and then he would walk away. <laughs> and Mr. Tucker was a policeman, so you we yeah, was like, "Yeah, well, we can't beat him." So we better go out there and fight yeah. these guys out here. Yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. we're gonna have so, to whoop up on these guys. Yeah. He said, "You can fight them, or you can fight me." And that was that was our. And you can was, get with this, and you can get with that. Yeah. So that was our pregame speech, and we and as a kid, we were all sitting there like you know, like oh my god, that's that's Mr. Tucker. Mr. Tucker would come in, in fully uniform, and and he would come like 
right out of his squad car, right to the game. And man, you talking about <laughs> pre-game speech that made me nervous. I was like, that's like, Mr. Tucker. Mr. Yeah. Tucker come in, he had shotguns. I was going to say, he's oh, strapped up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> strapped up. Sometimes he would have a dog in the back. <laughs> you know, you know, you're like, like don't want to fight him. You don't want to fight him, <laughs> you know? So we're going to go out and whoop up on these guys, you know? Yeah. Yep. So uh, that was my growing up in Detroit. So I understood, I understood the Pistons, you know, that's, that's why I can't be mad at the bad boys, you know, that was, uh, so that was my pregame speech. I wish, I wish I had that type of intimidation, you know, uh, to come into a locker room and uh, tell the guys, you know, that's, that, that's how, that's how you get guys ready to play though. Yeah. I think uh, the Sixers, maybe Glenn calls, you know, officer Tucker to come in at some point, you know, during the, during the Easter conference finals. uh, I think his father was a policeman. I think his father was a policeman or state trooper or something. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I think so. Now that I think about it, you know, as I was telling the story, but um, don't, don't hold me to that. I don't know. (laughs) Well, I will say Glenn Rivers, uh, he is up there for coach of the year. Quinn Snyder's obviously in that conversation as well, but, um, I think right now he has my vote. I love what he's been able to do with those two. I think, you know, I love when people learn from past experiences and then use that where they are, you know, in their current experience. And Doc Rivers is doing that. You know, he had Blake, he had Chris Paul. He did his best to try to make something work. They've all admitted separately, you know, that it just didn't work. But now he's got two superstars. He knows what that means in a league that stars matter. And he's making it work. And he's doing it in a blue-collar Philadelphia way. And I know Mike Midas is very happy about it. So that's good news. Midas should be. Midas has a really good team. You <laughs> yep. know what? We need some cheesesteaks, Midas. Maybe you would be kind enough to get us some cheesesteaks here. And uh, we'll watch some Sixer playoff basketball. That's almost like a do a podcast. That's a live yeah. podcast watching the Sixer game. How about that? How there about you go. that? That sounds like hoopah. Get Andrew Tony. Get Andrew Tony as a guest. Yeah. World Ooh. be free. Ooh. Oh, man. Dr. J. Man. Earl Curitan, how about that? <laughs> how about that? <laughs> Mo cheeks, how about that? <laughs> Deal. Well, there you have it. This has been another edition of Pushing Through. Again, we are hoopologists. If you're listening, you can be a hoopologist as well. Uh, we will be back next week. BJ, myself, pushing through. We'll see you then. <laughs>